Geography, sociology, psychology, all varieties of science, all from the Vedic perspective. Why not? But the main thing is to glorify Krishna. And all the different subjects are there, but without glorification of Krishna, it's Bayasam Tirtha. Who knows what that means? You know. <laughs> This uh, Narad Muni, he came to Vyasa. After Vyasa had compiled all the Vedas, and Narad told Vyasa, Vyasa was feeling, I compiled all the Vedas, but still I'm feeling some, not very satisfied. And Narad said, because you didn't directly glorify, of course, Vede Ramayane Chaiva Purane Bharate Tata Adhavanti Hari All Vedas, Ramayana, Puranas, everything, in every place, Hari, Krishna, is glorified. But, uh, the Vedic literature is constructed in such a way that Krishna, who is the actual object, Videshta Sarvera Hameva Vedyaha, the actual object of knowledge, cannot often be found. Vedeshu Durlabham. Difficult to find. For those for those who know, they can find him everywhere. For those who don't know, they don't see him anywhere. Just like uh, we are told that electricity is everywhere. But I don't see it. Someone who's trained in physics, they can understand Electricity is everywhere. So those who are devotees, they can see Krishna everywhere. find Krishna everywhere in the places. And others, they don't find him at all. So, via Sankirtan, this means Vyasadeva, uh, 
he was feeling morose. And Nara told him, because you have made so many books which are just suitable for crows. I don't see so many crows in, in America, in Indian cities. There are many crows. That's actually a center of Kali Yoga, the number of crows in the The cell phone kills them. The cell phones are everywhere in India. So. Not everyone. In Badrinath, you know, that it's called. I'm in Badrinath. <laughs> I don't know if they have a normal book, probably. So, the crows are everywhere. And this uh, Narada, he said to Vyasadeva, that all the writings that you've done, Vyasadeva means what? He comes to this world specifically for the purpose of presenting the Vedas. There's one Vyasa at the end of every Dwarva Yoga. This Vyasa, present Vyasa, his name is Krishna Dwaipaya. Krishna because he's black. Krishna also means black. Apart from meaning all attractive. And physically this Vyasa is not very attractive. So he doesn't mean all attractive. You know that when when he had to uh, fulfill his mother's order to produce sons in the sisters, that uh, Amla, Amlika, Amalika, that they all had different reactions. One, one, uh, one became pale, one closed her eyes, and the other said amazing. She didn't have anything to do with him at all. So he's physically unattractive, but it's called Krishna because he's Black. And Dwaipayana, because he was born on an island, Dvipa, from Dvipa comes Dwaipayana. So this, this uh, Vyasa is called Krishna Dwaipayana. So he comes for the very purpose of dividing the Vedas. Vyasa means who divides. The Veda is one, but uh, he divides it into Rig. Sala, Yadur, and Atharva. Sometimes it's said three Vedas. Evang, Trai, Dharma, Anupapa. Trai here means the, uh, or in Bhagavad Gita, Trai means three. Following Trai Dharma means following the three Vedas. That's stated in Bhagavad Gita. Also in Bhagavad Gita we say, Krishna, he says, Rik, Sala, Yaja, Evacha. I am the Rig Veda, Sama Veda, and Yajur So sometimes said three Vedas, and sometimes said four, including Atharva Veda. So the Vedic knowledge is vast, and there are so many mantras. Uh, uh, the example is given, Srila Vishnu Chaitanya is given, that the Veda is one, but in course of time, what's what? It becomes, uh, in people's minds, it becomes confused. People don't know. There's one mantra here, another mantra there. People don't. So it's like you have many jewels, like rubies, and diamonds, and emeralds, and, yeah, but they're in a big box and they're all mixed up. So, like that, Vyasadeva, he sorted them out. Okay, this is Rigveda, this is Yajurveda, this is Sabhaveda. So, Vyas means who divides. So he divided the Vedas and presented it all with the uh, Brahmanas, Aranyakas, Upanishads, uh, and then the Puranas, Mahabharata is his own writing. The Vedas, then, who are the Vedas written by? Often people ask, who are the Vedas written by? Who made them? Who's the author of the Vedas? Anyone know? Lord. Lord himself. Well, in one sense, but they're called Apaurusheya. That means they have no author. When you say, well, Krishna is the source of everything, so he must be the author of the Vedas. But they're called Apaurusheya, because Krishna always exists and Vedas also also exist. So in one sense, you can't say that even Krishna is the author. Well, he's the origin of everything, but it's just like uh, knowledge of something always exists independently of the phenomenon. 
just like uh, yeah, electricity. So electricity exists, and knowledge of electricity is not exactly the same thing, is it? Knowledge of electricity to describe what is electricity, how it may be utilized, different varieties of electricity, that knowledge also exists just because the very fact of electricity, there must be knowledge about it also. So in one sense they're non-different, but in another sense they are different also. To talk about electricity and have a degree in electricity doesn't mean that you have electric current there. Right? So knowledge of Krishna is eternally existing because Krishna is eternally existing. So it's always there. And that's called Veda. Ah, and Krishna, he presents that in human society and various rishis. They, they get just like some scientist, he discovers some law and then they call it different laws, can you think? Or different theory. We have Darwin's theory, but that doesn't really fit this example because Darwin's theory is always. <laughs> but there are different laws. What do we have? We have what do we have? Newton's laws, other mechanics, Doppler effect. Who knows what that is? I just looked at it. Doppler effect. Means just like for instance the train goes by, you hear it goes when it goes past you, the train, the, the sound changes. And why that is, one German fellow, I believe it was, was it? Doppler? Someone. Uh, he explained it, and therefore it's called Doppler's effect. So, the law is named after them, but it's not. It exists independently of their dis of their discovery, right? The, the effect and the knowledge about it is not really their knowledge. Knowledge is knowledge; it belongs to everyone, right? Yeah. But because someone presented it to the world, it's named after them. Just like now we we had the boson, and now it's Higgs boson. But actually, it's and they call that the Godfather. But actually, it's all Christian, right? It's not, doesn't it? Doesn't belong to Higgs or Bosch. Which Bosch was that? Well, there's thousands. It's a Because there was another one before that, some other Chinese Chandra Bosch. He was also a scientist before that. Srila Prabhupada said he invented television and then he told Marconi and Marconi took the credit for it. So we're told. Uh, so the knowledge is there, but it's presented systematically. And then therefore it's called, therefore we say Vyasa has pres he's presented the Vedas, but he's not the author of the Vedas. And in one sense, there is no one. In one sense, we say it's coming from Krishna because aham sarvasya Everything comes from Krishna. But also the jivas, who made the jivas? Well, no one. Not even Krishna. But in other sense, yes, Krishna. So how is that? How is that possible? Everything comes from Krishna. The Krishna didn't create the jivas. We can give an example just like the sun and the sun rays, particles in the sun rays. They come from the sun. But the sun is always existing with the sun rays. It's always sunlight. The sunlight is always existing. But it's also, so there's no question of sun without sunlight. But the sunlight is different from the sun, right? But at the same time it's dependent on the sun. It's not the sun but it's dependent on the sun for its existence. So, the jivas are eternal, so we can't say that they're made by Krishna. But in other sense, yes, they are, because everything is dependent on Krishna. Everything comes from Krishna. So the Vedas, Veda Narayana Saksha, Veda is directly Narayana, and comes from his breathing. 
So with his breathing, the Vedas come up. They, they manifest in different ways at different times. Hayagriva gave the Vedas. Krishna himself manifests the Vedas to Brahma, Dene Brahma, Hidaya Adi Brahma means Vedic knowledge that was manifest by him, by Krishna, to Brahma. So they, the Vedas come from Krishna. At the same time, in one sense, they're independent of Krishna. In, in the sense that uh, knowledge of an object or a phenomenon exists, in one sense, independently of it, in another sense, it's completely dependent on it. Just like if, if, there's, if there's no electricity, then you couldn't have knowledge of electricity. There'd be nothing to, nothing to speak about. So the, the Vedas, they manifest from uh, Narayana, the Apurusha, yeah, I'm saying. So Vyasa, he divided all the Vedas, and he wrote two books of his own, also Mahabharata and Vedanta Sutra. So Vedanta Sutra, that is considered uh, authoritative as by all, well, by followers of the Vedanta. <laughs> but the other Vedic schools, they're not apparent nowadays. Probably because Vedanta Sutra, the Vedanta Sutras defeated all other philosophies. That there's the, that's called the Prasthantra, the three uh, evidences, Vedic evidence, Shruti, Smriti, and the, hmm? You said Purana, the Purana comes under Smriti. And Vedanta Sutra, which is Vyasa's own work to explain the Vedas and to uh, defeat mis-explanations of the Vedas. It's amazing how out of the Vedas so many different philosophies came. Some of them quite atheistic. So we ask again, Vedanta Sutra, in which he defeats all other uh, philosophies. But then, even then, he was feeling morose, depressed. Why? Why, why is he feeling depressed? I did what I came, I came to this world to do this job, and I've done it. I presented all the Vedas, I presented Mahabharata, I presented Vedanta Sutra, and still, I, what's wrong? And Vyasadeva said, Oh, what you've given, it's all uh, just suitable for crows. Vyasadeva's come to this world. <laughs> Sorry, Naras. And Vyasa, all this, but I came to this world specifically to do this. And Nara's come, and he's effulgent, self realized, and he's telling me it's just like for crows, and then what's, what's going on here? Because without direct glorification of the Supreme Lord, without clearly establishing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, then people are almost certain to misunderstand. Now Krishna is presented everywhere in the Vedas, in many places indirectly, but many places directly also. Vedas and Mahabharata, in Mahabharata we find that Krishna is directly glorified as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But then sometimes also Shiva is in the Mahabharata. Krishna himself describes Shiva as Supreme in Mahabharata and sometimes he recommends everyone to worship him and says there's no difference between me and him. And Shiva also says the same thing, no difference between me and him. Is there a difference? No difference. Try that in Mahabharata. There's still a difference. Otherwise why do you say Krishna and why do you say Shiva? And Shiva doesn't have Rasalila. And Krishna is not the husband of Durga. So there's difference also. Difference and non-difference. There's no difference, right? What's the difference? Shirangya tada dhibhikara vishesha yoga sanjaya tena hita tapkrita dasti heita oho yah shambhutama pita tasama paritikarya Govinda adi purusham tamamujana Govinda is adi purusham Shiva is not adi purusham 
Govinda, Krishna, he is Adi Purusha. So the difference is like this between yogurt and milk. What is yogurt? Milk. Nothing but milk. Of course, if you buy it in America, you might have glycerin and some other things added. But yogurt, in essence, is nothing but milk. Just a little culture. Little culture, a few bacteria, you can't even see it. But they change it. It's nothing but milk, but the quality is different. In many ways different. If you boil yogurt, it cuts, what's curdles. Uh, tastes quite different, has a different effect in the stomach. So it's same in one sense, but very different in another sense also. This is a common question. Lord Shiva is supreme. He's Parameshwar. Everyone knows he's Parameshwar. It's a common name for Lord Shiva. And his wife is Parameshwari. So, Parameshwari. He's the supreme controller. How can you say there's anyone greater than him? Must be true. What do you think? Parameshwar. Shiv Shankar. So that's true. We don't dispute. Param means there's no one superior. So how can you say Krishna is superior? So Shiva is superior. Yes, that's true. Supreme control. But we have to see his jurisdiction is where? In this material world. In Durgesh. This material world is Durga. It's a prison house. Fortress for keeping us inside. No. Fortress usually to be keeping other people out, but this is fortress for keeping us inside, trapped inside prison. So, for those of us who, oh, those who have only they see this world and nothing else, then Shiva is super. And there is a spiritual world beyond that. Just like if you are living in a village in the pre-internet age and pre-industrialization age, then you may not be, mostly village people are not very educated. So they may not, of course, in, in any kingdom, in traditional times, you would know who the king is, wherever they are. But anyway, it's just an example. You may see in your village there's someone who's very powerful, you think he is. You never go outside the village. You don't know what's going on in the next village. So, you think, well, there's no one more powerful than the local landlord. In the village, whatever he says, everyone has to follow. So, he's Parameshwar. As far as you're concerned, he's Parameshwar. But that's a very limited vision. Beyond him, there's a local king, and then there's several other villages. It may be the local king. He's king of some area, one tenth the side of Texas. That's a very, that's a very big area in the pre-industrial civilization. Because if we have to go from Houston to Dallas by horseback, which was the fastest means of travel in pre-industrialized times, how how much time will that take? A few days, even by horseback. Right? There may not be any proper road either. There may not even be any Houston or Dallas, actually. <laughs> so, so Paramahishra within a limited area. I was talking about Vyasa. How did I get onto Lakshmi? Yeah, I was just backtracking. Oh, so many different theories come out. And one of the, there, there's many theories that Shiva is supreme, Shaiva Siddhanta, Pashupada, they, they theorize Shiva is supreme. So in, Vedanta, in the Vedanta Sutras, Vyasa, he refutes all these theories. Uh, and uh, he writes his own book also, Mahabharata. But even Mahabharata, even though at the end, 
It's stated that, uh, yeah, that Veda Ramayana Chaiva, that verse which I just quoted, the, the only subject is Narayana. But within the Mahabharata, amazing. Krishna appears in, although he is established again and again as the Supreme, but in many ways he appears to act as an ordinary person. So that even today people are saying, well, what's this Krishna? He's, he in, he in Krishna, Arjuna, he didn't want to attack his gurus and Krishna induced him to do so. Krishna made all this cheating. He came, he says, I come to establish dharma, but then he, he killed, he gets Drona killed by Adharma, he gets Bhishma killed by Adharma, he gets uh, Duryodhana killed by Adharma, Karna. People are still questioning, even today. So, I want to speak in, in parts of the Vedas, Indra is glorified as Supreme, Aruna is glorified as Supreme, Agni is glorified as Supreme. So, in different Puranas, definitely Shiva is glorified as Supreme. So it becomes confusing. And even Krishna is glorified as Supreme in some Puranas, but in the same Purana they'll again give someone else as Supreme. So it becomes confusing. So, Narada told Vyasa that you are feeling morose, because you have not clearly delineated Krishna as the Supra. Well, you haven't made it clear. The Vedas, they, you may say, well, why is it so unclear? There's only gods, so many different paths. Well, the idea is that people are at different levels of consciousness, and therefore they're given different paths suitable for the level they're at, so that they may make some progress. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Manushanam Sahasreshu Kastidyatati Siddhaya. Not many people are interested in spiritual perfection. And Yatatama Visiddhanam Kastidyatati So first of all, most people are not interested in spiritual perfection. We'll give them something. Alright, do some sacrifices, go to the heavenly planet, dance with some absurds, be happy. But follow the Vedic injunctions. So that's for foolish people. But most people are foolish, that's why we're in the material world, because we're foolish. So something, and then someone's interested in spiritual perfection, okay, then do some breathing, look at the end of your nose and... Uh, Focus your mind and chant Om and imagine yourself to merge into the oneness, whatever that is. So that's also it. But the actual perfection of life is to understand Krishna, but not many people are ready for that. So Vyasa gives different paths. But he's giving so many different paths that the real path is not very clearly delineated. And therefore, he wasn't satisfied in his heart because uh, the actual path of the Vedas is to surrender to Krishna, to accept Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead. So then, uh, after being instructed by Narada Vyasa, he meditated and he saw there's Krishna, there's Maya. There's bhakti yoga, by which people can be free from maya. They don't know, they don't understand this. They suffer, everyone's suffering in this material world. So therefore, anārata upashavana sākshāna, bhakti yoga, mahtokshiva, loka, sājāmata, vidvāl, chakra, sādhata, samhita. Vyāsa writes about himself in Srimad Bhagavatam. The people are suffering in this material world, because of anaratas, that which is not our real interest. We're pursuing goals that are not in our real interest. That doesn't sound very intelligent, does it? We're doing something which is not for our benefit. Who would do such a thing? A fool. And who is doing it? Everyone. Everyone's a fool. 
people don't know that they can be relieved from all difficulty by the process of bhakti yoga. Therefore, Vyasa compiled this Srimad Bhagavatam, which from the very which which gives knowledge of our real necessity. From the very beginning, Bhagavatam begins. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. That's pretty clear. And who is this Vasudeva? Vasudeva means one who lives everywhere. So you may think it's some impersonal, one that has manifest everywhere. So you may think it's something impersonal. But no, that's, that's first three verses of Bhagavatam. I think all this very clear. What is, what is, actually it's, uh, it appears to be a paradox. That the Bhagavatam begins, Omnamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, which leads us to offer obeisance, Namaha, to Vasudeva, which means who's everywhere, son of Vasudeva, also means, and also means a Bhagavate, so the supreme Bhagavan, Bhagavan, who is full of all opulences. So that's, that points to the personal, the person, personality, Bhagavan. Then next comes Janmadhyam Sayyataha. Yataha means from whom everything comes. And this refers to Vedanta Sutras, in which the first sutra is Atato Brahma Jignasa. Now we should inquire into the nature of Brahma, ultimate reality. And then the second sutra is Janmadhyasyatha. The ultimate reality is that from which everything emanates. So the Srimad Bhagavatam begins with first of all offering respect to Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then the next words, Janmadhyasyatha, that from which everything emanates. Which is generally understood Brahma to be impersonal. This Yataha, this is in uh, four words condensed into two words, is a summary of the Taitiriya Upanishad statement. What's the next slide? The first two sutras of the Brahma Sutras are derived from this. That, that Taitiri Upanishad says that that from which everything comes, that in which and by which everything exists, that into which everything ultimately enters, that is the proper subject of inquiry, that is Brahma. That is, the, so this is generally considered to be impersonal. Ah. But we ask what's there, Janmadhyasyataha, just right after Omnamo Bhagavateva Asudeva. So it appears to be a paradox. And Srila Prabhupada addresses this paradox in the beginning of his introduction to Srimad Bhagavatam. He states that, Srila Prabhupada states that the conception of God and the conception of the Absolute Truth are not on the same level. People think of God, the Supreme Person, and other people philosophically inclined people, they tend to think of the absolute truth as being impersonal. <coughs> the Srila Prabhupada, he very, 
And then you see what Prabhupada says, that the Srimad Bhagavatam hits on the target of the absolute truth. Not God. But then he brings it and Srila Prabhupada shows how the absolute truth is the personality of God. So generally we see about God, people think, well, that's just for sentimental people. Like people don't know anything. That's all sentiment. If we're philosophical, we either don't believe in God or we believe in some, some spiritual reality which has no form. No name. But Srimad Bhagavatam, as Srila Prabhupada notes, from the very beginning brings the two together. So this the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam describes the personality of Godhead, that the uh, conception of impersonal reality is included in and and subservient to that of the personality of Godhead. And in one verse, the first verse of Bhagavatam, he summarizes, Vyasadeva summarizes the whole subject of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the personality of Godhead. And uh, this verse gives more theolo- actual theological knowledge than that of all other scriptures in the world put together. So then Vyasadeva uh, in the second, I'm not going to go through the first verse, we could be here all day, all night, all lifetime, and many lifetimes discussing that. So that's up to you, you can do your homework. Sunday is a day for homework. Is it? You do your homework on Sundays? Alright, so read the first verse of Bhagavad <laughs> Spiritual homework. So the second verse Dharma Projita Kaitava Atra. Dharma Projita. Here, Dharma is completely rejected. The whole subject of the Vedas is dharma. Then what kind of dharma then kaitava dharma? Cheating. Cheating. So how can dharma be kaitava? How can dharma be cheating? Well, actual dharma is not cheating, but there's a lot that goes on in the name of dharma that is cheating. So what does that refer to that all cheating religion is kicked out? Everything that the Asadeh wrote himself before. <laughs> So Vyasa is uh, himself rejected by a Sanjata, pilgrimage place for Christ. So what is it? How is it the Vedas, uh, they're worshipable. Actually, I was going to speak on Vishnu Sanskritan, but somehow I had a little introduction uh, here and uh, I got sidetracked. <laughs> so, but one of the names in Vishnu Sahasranama is Veda. It's the name of Bhagavan Vishnu. And the name which I would have done if I had spoken on it was uh, this evening was the name, next name I have to speak on is Vedya, which means the proper subject of, of knowledge. So Veda is non different from Krishna. Veda Narayana Saksha. It means that Veda is Narayana. So how can you say that it's a pilgrimage place for crows, or that it's cheating? It's a strong rejection. How can you say that? Actually, there's nothing wrong with Vedas. But it's the, the perception or the misunderstanding of it. That's the problem. And it seems, yeah, the Vedas are written in such a way they can be understood in different ways. They can be understood in a way in which it it recommends perform yagyas, go to the heavenly planets. If you take the that's what the uh, whole Mimamsaka school, they say, see, that's what's said in the Vedas. That's what you should do. And all this stuff about renunciation and that's just for useless people. That's what they said. 
all this philosophizing. That's just for you know, people they may be inclined like that, but there's only a little bit. Most of it's about young years and going to the heavenly planets performing pious activities, so that's what it should be. And those other things are there for the you know, just some some people who didn't really get it. That's what they say. So it can be understood, but then if one has uh, especially Madhvacha, he has shown how uh, all the Vedas, every word is simply indicating vision. Everything is meant for bhakti. And we say, well, what is it? Indra is supreme, Agni is supreme. That should be understood that when it's stated like that, that, uh, well, one perspective is that Indra is seen as supreme by people who are not ready to surrender to Krishna, for them to accept someone as supreme is a step up on uh, thinking Ishvara Hum, I am supreme. Which even the world in soul thinks, every condition soul, things like that. So to think that to recognize a power higher than oneself is a step up. But uh, more intrinsically, Indra, whatever power he has, so Krishna, therefore we should read Vishnu's Sahasranath. We have named, I've just done, just been through the names Upendra, which means Vavanadi, and is generally understood to mean who comes, who follows Indra. means he's younger than Indra. But another name is Indrasya Upari Ityupendra, who is Upa, he's above Indra, he's superior to Indra. Another name is Atindra, Atindra, more Indra than Indra, <laughs> bigger than Indra. So these are names of Vishnu. So uh, it requires uh, actually the Vaishnav to help us through this Shabda Jala Maharanyam Kevala Chitta Brahmanam Shankaracharya. That this, uh, so many words, just like a big net or a big forest in which we simply, we go round and round and round and we don't know where we're going. And so, when the Vaishnav comes, we What is very difficult to find in the Vedas, we can very easily have from the Vaishnav. Because the Vaishnav, studying so many books, wondering what is this, what is that, and the Vaishnava says, Krishna, that's the answer. So Vyasadeva presented Bhagavatam in which the answer is given, Krishna. And he says that all else is to be, all other understandings, they are to be rejected. We should come to Krishna. Everyone should come to Krishna. So Bhagavatam is the understanding par excellence. It is the best of the best. The essence of the essence of the Vedas is Srimad Bhagavatam. Even in Gita, people say, well, Gita describes karma, jnana, bhakti, Karmagana, Yoga, and Bhakti, that's true. In Gita, Bhakti is established as supreme. Uh, but in terms of the contents of Gita, there's a lot of talk about controlling the mind, uh, performing sacrifice for pleasing the demigods, that's there also. There are various topics discussed. Uh, Srila Prabhupada is very kindly given us Bhagavad Gita as it is in which uh, we can very easily find Krishna, but not everyone finds Krishna. Many people read Gita, and I don't know how they miss it, but Srila Prabhupada made it very clear to us, but people, they approach it with their own preconceptions, and they come up with well, all kinds of strange things. But just like, for instance, uh, Bhakti is 
clearly establishes the topmost path in Bhagavad Gita. But then people have their own interpretation. Shankaracharya defines bhakti as the uh, strong desire to be liberated from the material world. So, if that's what you think, then then bhaktyamama vijayanati then the whole understanding becomes changed, which is why Bhakti Siddhanta says, right, Thakur, if he very strongly desired to make a dictionary, dictionary, I make a dictionary, just trying to write Krishna. But he wanted to make a dictionary defining all the words, because just if we talk to people, he said, do you believe in God? Say yes. But when they say God, they mean some, they have some idea of some nasty old fellow sitting on a cloud, creating people so, so that most of them get burned forever. So, and if you don't believe, you become burned. Believe or burn. That's all. And why should you believe? Don't even ask any questions. Just believe. <laughs> and if you say, well, that's what you say, Mr. Christian, but the Mr. Muslim says something pretty much the same and also says that I should believe it without asking any questions, otherwise I burn in hell. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be a Christian or a Muslim? Because you say you just have to believe. And uh, if you get it wrong, it's like, it's like Russian roulette or something. You get it wrong, you're really, really in... A lot of them, you finish forever. Enter into hell. All those who enter in, give up all hope. There's no hope of coming out again. So, uh, definition of terms is what do you mean by God? What do you mean? Let's understand all these terms. Bhakti. If someone reads Bhakti, what is the meaning of? Actually, most of the Vaishnava schools, they also define bhakti in terms of liberation. Bhakti, or, or it is meant, it is meant for, for getting mukti, and they define mukti as service to Vishnu in Vaikuntha. That is the goal of bhakti. It's only Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who's given this idea that we don't even want mukti. We only want service to Krishna. So, first of all, we should define what do we mean. That also mukti. The Vaishnavas, they also said, our aim is mukti. But their idea of mukti, their understanding is not to merge into some literally undefined state. Although to say it's undefined is one kind of definition also. So the whole idea of nirvishishvada is it's self-defeating. If you say nirvishish means it has no characteristic, but if you say it has no characteristic, that becomes a characteristic. So it's all self-defeating. It's like saying, never say never. <laughs> right? Never say never. If you say never say never, you already said never twice. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a self-defeating proposition. So, uh, yeah, establishing Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. All these terms, they should be, everything should be understood very clearly. And that is the great gift of Srila Prabhupada, who is exactly like Vyasa for the modern age, for the Western world. All this complex philosophy in the Vedas and the Vedic schools, he's put everything very clearly and straightforwardly. And within the context of Bhagavad Gita as it is and Srimad Bhagavatam, showing that it's not just one point of giving this philosophy within, within the format of these Shastras, is to establish the importance of these shastras. We could just write books and say Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, 
It should be true. We could write such books. But within the, by presenting within the format of Shastra, of course, the Shastra, Gita and Bhagavata, are fully uh, perfect, pure, uh, and authoritative in themselves. But to present, to, we, to present the Vedic teachings within this format shows that Srila Prabhupada, he is not presenting something which is his own idea. It's not some philosophy. It's, it's not Prabhupada's philosophy. Just like we have Kant's philosophy, Hegel's philosophy, Shankara's philosophy, Ramanuja's philosophy. Of course, Shankara and Ramanuja, they all based their teachings on Shastra, but we understand it as their philosophy. But uh, Srila Prabhupada, he presented uh, the Shastra to sh one purpose of that is to show that Shastra leads to the conclusion that Prabhupada has given and everything he has presented is not some idea that he made up. And for me personally, that was one, that was convincing. Because I, I had heard so many philosophies and people all speaking so many things. But the fact that Srila Prabhupada did not present, this is my idea, that he would always present, this is what Krishna says. This is what all the great Acharyas, and even Krishna himself, he presents like that. Bahud, what is this? Bahuda Brahma Sutra Padais Chaiva Hitraman Vyavanistika. Krishna says, I'm now going to present this knowledge, which uh, I'm presenting this knowledge in Bhagavad Gita, which is already uh, presented by uh, in the Vedas, by the Rishis, in the uh, Brahma Sutras. So Krishna himself says, Although he is the object, he is completely authoritative by himself, but he says, now I'm, I'm presenting that which is presented, Shastra, by all authorized wishes. So that's an essential point. The truth doesn't change. It's not that we need a... Nowadays, uh, the world is different, so we need a different philosophy. But no, the truth is consistent. The... The world has changed, there's no doubt, from since the time when Vyas compiled Shastra. But the fact of the uh, of existence of the Atma, the dependence of the Atma and Bhagavan, the, the nature of this world as illusory, nothing changed. And in fact that the world has changed is even predicted by Vyasadeva himself. He knew that. And he presented the knowledge, Srimad Bhagavatam, it is the uh, highest truth, it is pre especially presented for Kali Yuga, and Srila Prabhupada has presented that in English, which is such a, such an uh, inappropriate and uh, incapable language, what's the word? Insufficient language for presenting the, the Vedic knowledge. It's, it's actually much easier to discuss all these things, even in Hindi, which is, I mean, I say even in Hindi, means because, uh, well, maybe I'm biased, but I mean, Sanskrit in itself is much better. And then, uh, yeah, Shuddha Hindi, if we speak, then uh, all these, uh, then if we don't, we can say, Prakriti We don't have to say the three modes of material nature. Most people don't know what you're talking about at all. Of course, for modern Hindi speakers, they also don't know. But traditionally, the concepts are there. And we can. I was speaking just after Mangalati before I left in, in Dallas this morning. We won Bengali devotee. And he told me that uh, before joining Iskon, he never knew what the word Kalevara, that's Kalevara in, Kalevara in Hindi, or Kalevaram, 
He didn't know what it meant, which is a common word in Sanskrit. Do you know what that means? Kaleva? Yeah, means body, just body. 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 So, uh, these words, if the, the point I made is that in Sanskrit, it's just, it's exactly the right language for discussing Tathagyana, that means uh, philosophical knowledge within the Vedic context. Uh, um, and also uh, for discussing Rasagyana, Rasatakya. So it's a perfect language because the, all the concepts are there, the language, and even the language is structured in such a way. And then languages other than that, like Bengali and Hindi. And although they say Tamil, there's no relations with Sanskrit, that's vulgar actually. Uh, modern Tamil, that made, they've changed it, so it doesn't, it's not, but still there's so much Sanskrit in it. Just like Sigrun. It's, uh, it's a Tamil word which means quickly. It's absolutely Sanskrit. Just one example. There are so many examples. So these languages are much more suitable for presenting the Vedic knowledge, and you can present very clearly and uh, beautifully all these points. English is not very suitable. Shiva Prabhupada had to, he had to make up many terms, like the three modes of material nature, the super soul, uh, the deluding potency, illusory energy, empowered incarnation. Shiva Prabhupada made up these words. And some of them he borrowed, or they were already given by his own spiritual master, by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. But if we uh, walk on the street and say to a person, uh, my dear sir, you are suffering from a severe case of the deluding energy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, the three modes of material nature, you know, the mode of goodness, the, no, no mode of goodness here, but a heavy dose of the mode of passion, with a, with a good admixture of the mode of ignorance. Well, the Shah, they wouldn't even give you that much time to listen. They just think you're crazy. They don't, you're crazy. <laughs> what are you talking about? But there's no, of course, you could just use the, uh, nowadays among devotees in the West, we don't use those terms. We'll just, instead of saying living entity, we'll say jiva, because it's a better term and the devotees understand it. Uh, but Srila uh, Prabhupada was constrained to invent so many terms because people don't know it's just not in the culture at all. All these terms and understandings, and even for people within the culture, mostly they don't understand Krishna, in, even in the best of terms. They don't understand Krishna. I want to speak of nowadays where Hindu Hindu what to say? People are watching. Even in India, where do you think the people would be closer to this? It's, in, it's crazy what's going on. What they call Hinduism. I, 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 I usually say Sharam Sekho. <laughs> really? Really? It's so, it's so bad. I mean, instead of saying, uh, say with pride, I am a Hindu, you should say, say with shame, I am a Hindu. I'm Hindu, I am a Hindu, Sanhe, Haros, Kitnam, Dak, Gai, Kikatna, Go Hatya Hoti, 
बड़ी शर्म की बात है बड़ी इफ इन इंडिया इन एनी कंट्री वन क्या शुड बी ग्रेट शेम इम्पॉसिबल इन अनथिंकेबल बट इन दिस महात्मा गांधी एंड सोलिया फाइटिंग फॉर इंडियन इंडिपेंडेंस एंड आफ्टर इंडियन इंडिपेंडेंस वॉट हैपन दे ओपन सो मनी स्लॉट इन एंड इन बीजेपी रूल ऑल्सो didn't stop they opened the biggest slaughterhouse in uh, into hyderabad is one very big slaughterhouse opened in bjp time and then they snared to uh, agra agra yeah that 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 junction where you go tunda tunda yeah there's a huge slaughterhouse i think biggest in asia and they're aiming to be the world's number one exporter of beef <laughs> <laughs> very very bad situation and what to speak in the west of well, texas is cowboy country and cowboy means not like krishna it's cow killer country very bad situation in the whole world but these books this knowledge will change it this there's a picture in the first canto of bhagavatam that was uh, that goes with the verse krishna sadhamo bhagate dharma jnana divisa kalo nasha drishamesha purana kalo vidana that krishna he went left this world and when krishna goes then dharma and jnana they go also so how will we get in kali yuga in what hope is the hopeless situation But Vyasadev, he has given this Shrimad Bhagavatam, which is like a sun, like the bright sunshine in the s- smoky darkness of Kali Yuga. So all this complex philosophy, which so many great philosophers could not understand, still an image, even. And many people are completely misled and misguided. And now uh, they've come to the level of cartoon Krishna <laughs> instead of Shrimad Bhagavatam Krishna, cartoon Krishna. The level they've come down to. So, uh, what to speak of India? Even people in cowboy Texas. They can get Prabhupada's books and all illusion such that in, without uh, going through so many complex philosophies, all the essence, all the Vedic truths, Shiva Prabhupada has given them. So, what's the conclusion? Please study Shiva Prabhupada's books no. very carefully, <laughs> such as the Bhakti Vaivarta. <laughs> <laughs> They study the books. Generally, uh, especially among Indians, we ask people chant Hare Krishna. Yes. But I see Prabhupada. He actually, if you see how Shri Prabhupada is preaching all his conversations and lectures, he tried to get people to understand the basic philosophy. You know about two points I see Shri Prabhupada mostly preached on across so many different points. Two points: we are not the body. We are spirit, soul. The soul is eternal. The body is temporary. Another point: we are controlled. Therefore, we have to accept there is a control. And many other points. Actually, we can make that three points: that we are all suffering. No one wants to suffer. We should make a solution to this suffering. So these basic points, Sri Prabhupada, whoever he met. We will press on these points. Try to understand everything is there in Sri Lanka's books. Please read them. Try to understand them. Act on them. Live with them, and spread them to others. Hare Krishna. All glory to Sri Lanka. Yes, you want to present my books.
as I was saying, we should have many, many books. Fill up, empty all the libraries and fill them all up with books of Krishna. It's one of my favorite also. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if you haven't read the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you'll be inspired to read it. And if you have read it, you'll be inspired to reread it again. It's a synopsis of the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the golden avatar. Yeah, I, I actually read that book because in India, people, they know Krishna, but most people don't know very much about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I wrote it in English and had it translated in various languages. Marsh Vasarabhu. So that people can get at least some idea. Many other bodies are actually, and usually after reading it, they want to read Chaitanya Charitamrita. So it's a good appetite.